Before we begin, a quick disclaimer. Please be aware that this episode will discuss gun violence, as well as mental illness, suicidal thoughts, and suicide attempts. Our hope is that with conversation, we can destigmatize the discussion of mental health, but we know that for some, this conversation is upsetting. Take care of yourself, and thank you for listening. Every morning, Janetta wakes up to the same reality that she has for the past year. That her daughter is gone, and there is no bringing her back. While daily triggers send her into panic attacks that bring her to tears, and her social anxiety has made her jumpy no matter her surroundings, her grief has attacked her physical health just as much. My mental health is still a struggle. It's something that I struggle with right now. Um, I have uh, PTSD and depression, anxiety. I have social anxiety, uh, panic attacks. Um, So a lot of distrust. Uh, I just don't really trust people. I'm very jumpy, which that plays with my PTSD. Um, And so... You know, now my life has definitely changed. It has physically, I deal with the uh, effects of um, of a heart attack. I had a heart attack. And then uh, my blood pressure, now I'm a diabetic. And, and I just never had these issues before. But this is just to let you know the stress level that um, losing a child could cause on someone. Um, and I know I'm not the first mom, and I know I won't be the last mother that has lost their, their child and what it's doing to them uh, daily. And, you know, mentally, um, uh, I uh, attempted suicide twice. Um, and it's just a mental game that, you know, it it, draw, it it takes everything out of you. You know, when you're sometimes when you're when you're done, you're just going like, oh, you're just breathing. Um, and you're barely making it. You know, it's something that people don't understand is that getting up out of the bed is a plus for us. It's it's a plus, you know, um, because if we could lay in that bed all day long, and I did, I laid in the bed for a long time, and my daughter came in the room, and she said, Mama, you know, she said she wouldn't want you like this, you know, and, and she she told me, you know, but it's just the physical of what you go through as a parent. And and it's, it's hard. Many families and communities suffer from intergenerational trauma, a term used to describe the impact of one's traumatic experiences on subsequent generations. When trauma like this isn't adequately addressed, it compounds from generation to generation and can lead to problems such as higher rates of drug and alcohol abuse. In the context of slavery and generations of oppression, this cycle is especially harmful to the black community. A mother from a Zoom group of parents who lost children to gun violence shared with Janetta how that cycle works in her life. One of the things that one of the mothers said that um, in Mississippi, uh, in the town that she was from, um, she lost a child. She lost two children. And they were telling her, like, oh, you'll get over it. You know, it, it, you'll be fine. Time will time take. 
you know, take care of it. You'll be all right. And that was the way that they were dealing with it. It's just not tackling it, not thinking about it, not, you know, um, going away from the, the issue and the problems, you know, using drugs to heal their their pain and it happens it definitely happens um you will try to do anything you can to numb it who wants to go to sleep in pain and wake up in pain you know if you think about that if you ever hurt yourself if you ever broke a leg if you ever anything physical think about the physical pain and that is what a parent is going through and when they go to sleep and when they wake up it is still there that leg hasn't been hasn't been uh, placed in a casket. I mean, you know, in a cast. I'm sorry, um, hasn't been uh, popped. The bone hasn't been popped. So you're still dealing with pain, and if you're not getting help or getting it out, it turns into something else. So that is a very big thing that we are facing right now because we are taught in society that the the way that it's supposed to go is that parents never bury their children. Children are supposed to bury their parents. But that is the cycle that we know. So, you know, to deal with the fact that you are haven't dealt, dealt with the pain from the loss of your child, it definitely would turn into something else. It definitely would turn into something else. Besides prescribed medication, therapy is a common treatment for mental illness. But for many in the Black community, fear, stigma, and lack of availability create obstacles to getting life-saving treatment. As uh, African Americans, we have been told that, um, and you know, it's and let's just go back in history and, and facts are facts. You know, uh, we've been tricked uh, into believing things that wouldn't necessarily for us to believe. You know, it wasn't true. Um, we go back to Tuskegee uh, men that were injected with, um, with syphilis. And so, you know, we have history has shown us that, you know, a lot of things to not trust, you know, so we have this thing where we don't trust so much, you know, we're, we're not willing to, to, um, come to someone that we don't know and just start speaking to them about our lives. We're very, pretty much, you know, we're taught early on that, um, your business is your business, you know, but now, you know, we're dealing with something totally different you know uh, when it comes to the mental Ill illness we don't seek help but now I'm starting to see more people now are starting to seek help because they notice hey this isn't normal you know and and then I hate to use normal because uh, what is normal you know what I mean so um I hate to use that word. I'm not going to use normal. I'm just going to say, you know, it's out of the realm. The ethically abusive study Junetta brought up was the Tuskegee syphilis study, where nearly 400 African-American men were injected with syphilis. The study was meant to observe the natural history of untreated syphilis, and the men in the study were lied to and told that they were receiving free health care. Their now contracted syphilis was left entirely untreated, and 128 of the study's participants died from it, leaving people without their partners and children without parents. 
This study inflicted a generational fear of medical treatment that, combined with the stigma surrounding mental health treatment, kept and continues to keep black people from receiving necessary medical care. Ruth White, professor in the USC Susan Dork Peck School of Social Work, explains where the stigma surrounding mental health treatment in the black community stems from. White explains how seeking mental health care is often viewed as a weakness, which opposes the, quote, survivalist mentality that is born from systemic oppression and chronic racism. White says, quote, much of the pushback against seeking treatment stems from ideas along the lines of, we, as in the black community, have survived so much adversity and now someone's going to say that there's something wrong with us? White also explains that alongside this perpetual survivalist mentality that the black community faces, we can also point fingers at the high rates of religious affiliation in the black community, where faith in God is used as a solve for things that would be better treated medically. Janetta works to break down this stigma by talking about it, sharing posts on her Facebook page about her own struggle with mental illness. Honestly, what I did, um, I placed on my Facebook page um, that I do have PTSD, um, CPTSD as well. Um, and I have been placing things on my page and letting people know that it's okay. It's okay that, that we struggle. You know, my struggle may not be your struggle, but it's okay. And what I found is that a lot of people have been suffering in silence. And so my, my um, thing that I wanted to do was to let people know, like, hey, this is what I'm going through. I'm not ashamed about it, you know, um, and, and I see so many people that, have been so silent and they're speaking up now. And it's making me like so happy that people are now seeking help. People are now, you know, wanting to go to a counselor, asking about a counselor or just verbalizing the fact that, hey, me too. I deal with this too, you know? So it has been a door opener for me to um, to let people know. And I've been very open uh, about letting people know what I'm going through because I feel like what I'm going through is a lot, you know, and I know someone else out there is maybe struggling as well. And so I can, I can advocate for myself and also for them. And now people are starting to speak up and that is what uh, I was hoping for. And, and it's happening. So now we're, we are seeing that we need help. You know, we are seeing that, um, coming up to the point where, you know, you, you've dealt with um, being quiet about your rape or your molestation and it caused another mental illness. And so now you find people that are willing to speak about it now, years later, you know, are willing to, to tell their, their story and what's going on and, and what happened. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. And I'm happy that I'm playing a part in helping other people, whether I, whether you know, my dream was to help people in a different type of way. But hey, however, it's, it's helping someone. It's helping someone. In the time where Janetta was learning how to live without Cariel, her cousin, Asia Owens, gave her some advice. That's when something you could call divine intervention stepped in and validated her cousin's sentiment. I have a cousin and... um I remember her coming to me when, when Caria passed and she said, 
cousin um are just right and and i was like right and you know and i'm thinking like i'm going through everything that i'm going through why why is she telling me to write you know i'm not even thinking about a pen or a paper you know right and so um every day that i talked to her you know she would just say hey cousin right right you know and and she would just send me something what what makes you smile today or i am uh, praying for you and you know and she just kept telling me to write so I was like, I had made up in my mind. If she tell me this again, I'm just go off on her, you know. <laughs> so, um, I was like, if she say it one more time, I had made up in my mind everything that I was gonna say to her and everything. And this is so made by God um, that I have to say that this happened. I was going into Cario's room, and when I went into her room, there was nothing on the table, nothing. When I came out of her room, there was a notebook and a pen on her ta- on the table. And I asked my daughter, Madison, I said, Madison, did you, uh, is this your notebook? And she said, no. And I asked Ethan, I said, is this your notebook? Whatever. He said, no. Oh, I didn't put that there. So it was only us in the house. And I'm like, I know I didn't put it there, you know. And um, when I came out of that room, I sat down and I picked up the pen and I didn't know what to write. I honest to God didn't know what to write. And I just started writing. Uh, and it was stupid. It was like um, the tree is in the ground and the grass is green. I mean, it was just stupid. And, um, and I was like, I don't even know what to write. How am I supposed to be a writer? Uh, she wanted me to write. I don't even know what to write. And then um, I just kind of. I was getting like frustrated. And so I just was like, God, you know, help me. You know, I need help. I want you to help me um, know what to write because I don't know what to write. And, and God did, you know, he, he just began to guide the pen and, and, um, and it was me telling my story uh, about my child. Um, and that day, you know, what happened and the things that I'm going through. This daily writing acted as a conduit for emotional release and realization for Janetta. And as days turned into weeks, turned into months, she had enough material to create a full-length book. On January 8th, what would have been Cariel's 19th birthday, Janetta's book titled Six Minutes of Freedom was released. Through journal entries, Janetta's book details what life is like as a mother of a child who was killed. It educates readers on how to treat someone who has lost a child, and even acts as advice for parents who have lost children themselves. I honestly think um, two things that that is very, um, you know, um, about the book that I feel very strongly about it is um, letting people know my raw emotions about the situation. And also the help that they may need if they're going through, you know, whatever they're going through, if they lost a child. You know, sometimes um, when we when we lose a loved one um, or, you know, when you lose a child, um, you feel that you're abnormal. You know, you you you're like, I'm the only one going through this, but you're really not. Um, Every day someone is born into this world and every day someone dies so that person has to have a mother and a father 
you know? And so, um, for me, it was just letting people know what I'm going through, you know? And, and I was okay with that. I was okay with opening the door because all of that mental health and stuff is also in the book. So, um, those are the two things that I was really pulling for, for people to understand what I was going through. And for those that have never been down this route, that they will understand and have empathy for others that are going through this. So I'm hoping that my book, even if it just helped one person, you know, um, that it is sending a sign and um, letting people know, you know, what you go what you go through um letting people understand that sometimes sometimes saying nothing is better than saying anything at all um so i wanted to kind of like give them that you know give them the self-help that they possibly would need that's in the book um letting them know that you know your feelings are are normal those are normal emotions that you're going to go through um, and hoping that someone will pick up something from this book and know, even if they haven't lost a child, know what to do, stand in the space for someone that has lost a child. So it was when I wrote this book, um, that was my goal was to help someone in, in whatever space they may have, they may be in. Cariel was killed just a month into the global shutdown due to COVID-19 which isolated Janetta and many others who experienced loss during the pandemic. Seeking others who related to her experience, Janetta joined the Zoom group mentioned earlier of mothers who have lost children by gun violence. A lot of mothers that I have met on this journey, um, their kids have been gunned down. I've met uh, someone where her child was killed on Facebook Live. Um, I have just run into so many different people on this journey, but it's like I have a connection of love for these for these women that I have met, and um, and I know that it's God, you know, I know that it's God because I just I'm connected to them, and it's like I love them, and and you know during this time um, last year, Corona had hit, and it was very hard for me because a lot of the resources were not available because of the Corona. Um, and a lot of these mothers that I'm, I'm starting to understand, like we're here for each other. Um, we are all hurting. Um, we always say this, uh, it's a saying that we say that we hope that how we have connected down here on earth, that our children have connected up in heaven. Um, but it has been, opportunity after opportunity i've been doing interviews i have been um doing zoom meetings and i'm just constantly meeting people on this path um that their kids were were gunned down um it it's not it's not a glorious place to be you know but i am blessed that i do have the support with the other mothers that i do have there is inevitable opportunity for growth from hardship. When we face adversity, some people may mature, others may tap into their spirituality, and others may build relationships. For Miss Doss, with the unimaginable pain came a newfound sense of purpose. I used to always ask 
uh, God, what was my purpose? I felt like I, I didn't have a purpose. I used to always ask my cousin, you know, do you know your purpose? You know, and, and we would have this conversation. And so now I feel like I have a purpose. And I feel like the purpose that I have is helping someone else. I don't know how um, I, I'm going to help them. Um, I've been at work and I've heard people say, you know, from me and the women, say your smile is everything you know um and i'm like wow me you know and i'm going through what i'm going through you know and it has just been i feel like my purpose is just in my writing in my connection with people uh helping people i feel like now i truly have a purpose i always wanted to be a motivational speaker and i'm like god how am i going to do that when i'm going through you know what i'm going through but that's my goal um to be a motivational speaker uh even at at 40 at 40 years old you know that's something that i want to do and i feel like um I'm going to get there. How? I don't know. I just keep asking God to just guide me along the way and, you know, um, show me what path I'm going, you know. So uh, along with this, a lot has come out of this. It, I don't, like you said, it's, it's not a game. Uh, I just feel like I'm tapping into my purpose now. Several projects have been born from this unbelievable loss beyond this mini-series of podcasts. Of course, Janetta has published her book, but she has also started a nonprofit in Cariel's name that will fight against gun violence in St. Louis. Finally, a documentary that will tell the stories of mothers all over the Midwest who have experienced similar tragedies is on its first legs. But it has never and will never be about the projects. Janetta wants her kid back, and would have done anything to prevent this. When she lost Cariel, she lost a part of herself. I I just um, like to talk about the relationship of me and my daughter. We had a very good relationship. Like, she was my best friend, you know. Um, and it, it's, it's hard to know that, you know, I'll never get a text again. I'll never get a call again. Um, we just had this relationship where it was more, we were um, daughter and um, and mother, but we were also like, like I was like her older sibling, you know. Um, so we shared so much. And, you know, Cario shared a lot of my personality. And I'm noticing um with her being gone, I I'm not the person that I used to be. I don't I don't like pictures, you know. And me and her, we just used to love pictures, and we used to love to dance. I don't like to dance, you know. So me losing her, I lost a big part of my heart. Um, I don't know if it would ever come back, you know. Uh, I don't know if I would ever feel like I I would ever wanna you know, take pictures and dance anymore because it's something that um, just left me. You know, when she left me, so much of my heart left. Um, so, so much of my my pain is still here. Um, but it's like, 
I lost my best friend. And what do you do when you lose your best friend? You know, I, I get on my knees and I pray and I lay in my, my bed and I pray and I just ask God for strength, you know, and to help me. And some days I can't even ask for that. I just say, God help, you know. Um, so losing her, I just lost so much of me and I just lost some, I just lost my best friend. Um, we would just do, do things from the time she was a kid, you know, all the way up to she was grown. Um, you know, I used to always take her out, uh, when she was younger and get her nails painted and get her toes painted, let her go get dressed up and, you know, have all of this, uh, girl time that we used to have and we go to the shooting range, you know, and stuff like that. And that's just something that I totally miss. And I do have other kids, but everybody has a, their own personality. She was the only one that was like me. So that I truly miss because I look at her, I see her. She used to always say, mom, we twins, we twins. And we were, you know, um, she was a big reflection of me and to have that part gone is a, is it weighs heavy on me. I have my days where I don't even want to get out of bed. I don't even want to talk to anybody. Um, but I know uh, that I have to keep going because if I lay down and just give up, I'm not, um, I'm not letting the world know who she is. Uh, because I'm her advocate and I have to speak for her. So um, I definitely want to speak for her. And, you know, going through the suicide attempts, it was one thing that is keeping me here right now. And I was driving in the car and I heard this voice and the voice said, if you die, she died. And I thought, hmm. And it said it again, if she died, if you die, she died. And I was like, wow it was powerful because the voice uh was telling me that i speak for her i live for her and so if i'm not doing it no one's gonna do it you know so i have to keep going um for for her and for myself so it's just that mother-daughter relationship that you just miss that i i just I just want to smell her. So, I'm, you know, this funny little thing she used to do with her hand and laying across my bed at 18. You know, I just miss all of that. To end, Janetta shares what she sees as the most important vice for anyone who has lost a child. Well, I'll, I'll just say, um, you know, in, in, in being open, um, when losing a child it's a hard thing to do but it's so much you can get out of it um and i had to learn and and i was i was open very open um about you know just accepting things because i didn't know what was going to work for me i'm still in my healing process so you know everything is is like an example um, let's see if this works and let's try that. If it doesn't work, you know, but I say to anyone that has lost a child, um, be transparent and open. Just, you never know what's going to come out of it. You know, there, there are great things that, um, are starting to 
come out of this for for me um unfortunately under the circumstances but i just say to any parent you know whoever want to love on you let them love on you you know be open um be honest with your feelings don't hide your feelings because nobody knows that relationship with you and god um and to hide it to me is like you're hiding your child you don't want people to know about your child and I'm very open. If I if I have to cry, I'll cry in front of whoever. It doesn't matter to me um, because those are my feelings and my emotions. And grief is nothing but unconditional love for that person, for your child. When Janetta said that, I paused. Grief is nothing but unconditional love. I haven't heard anything more true. Janetta could write a novel on grief. Well... She kind of did. But in the midst of her earth shattering around her, she never ceased to love others, and she never stopped caring for others, even for a stranger like me. I am incredibly lucky to know Janetta and to be able to tell just a chapter of her story. And my heart breaks that I didn't get to know Cariel. Her family, friends, and community grieve for her. But as Janetta says... Grief is nothing but unconditional love. Thank you for listening to episode three, the final episode of the series, Cariel Doss, Forever 18. It was an honor to tell Janetta's story and to allow more people to see who Cariel was. My name is Zoe DeYoung, and this is it's not black and white.